morning. I'm just a little overwhelmed with that thought that the Spirit of the living God can come upon us, can indwell us, can fill us. That we've been given this amazing gift. We've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You know, that sounds kind of out there, kind of spiritual. You know, the Spirit of God interacting with us. It's really God. God interacting with us. God's Spirit coming upon us, being part of our life. And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to continue our study in that song, it said, it said, melt me, mold me, I'm missing one, help me, fill me, yeah, fill me, that's a good one, and use me. The Spirit of the living God will use us. And that's really a big part of our focus. He melts us, he molds us, and he fills us that he might use us. This is the third, third week in our series titled, Engaging Your World which is really the Holy Spirit using us in our world. And today we come to part three of the series. It's really a a sub-series within the series, a mini-series, if you will, called The Power to Engage Your World. And the focus of our study has been and will continue to be today the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that, that fills us and falls upon us and uses us. And in part one, two weeks ago, we saw that, that the, the power to engage our world comes from the Holy Spirit. When God calls someone for his purposes, when he gives you a job to do, a mission to undertake, he then gives you the power to accomplish that mission. And that power comes through the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is given to all believers The Holy Spirit works in and through our lives to accomplish the purpose of God in this world. That was part one. We saw some examples of that in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, from John the Baptist filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb, all the way to the Apostle Paul filled to preach the gospel to the world. In part two, we focused on that that filling of the Holy Spirit. We saw that every believer, every person who's trusted in Jesus Christ is given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every believer is, that word from Corinthians that Paul uses, indwelt with the Spirit. We have the Spirit dwelling with us. He's living with us. But that every believer can and should also be filled with the Spirit. In fact, we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. We're sealed with the Spirit, but we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And we we asked two questions last week. First, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? We came to this. It means that through a work of God, it's God's work. Through a work of God, the Spirit that dwells in you takes continual control of your life. The Spirit is in control. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The second question we asked was then, how how are we filled with the Spirit? If being filled with the Spirit means being controlled by the Spirit, then to be filled with the Spirit, we must first surrender our lives completely to Him. 
give ourselves totally to God. Everything we have, everything we are, holding nothing back, belongs to the Lord. Second, we must ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. It's a regular part of our daily life, asking Him. That command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, is a, is a, is a continual command. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we must continually ask to be filled First, surrender control of our lives. Give Him everything. Second, ask to be filled. Third, we must live a life of obedience to God. Remembering that that when we sin, and we will, we live in a fallen world and we still have the flesh to deal with, and so we sin. And We're to live in obedience in order to be filled with the Spirit. But when we sin, we are to practice what Bill Bright calls spiritual breathing. You remember what what that is? Anybody remember spiritual breathing? I think it's a a really important concept. And that spiritual breathing can, can, uh, can just keep it on our mind. As we sin, we exhale. We confess our sins. We ask for forgiveness. And we ask to be filled again with the power of the Spirit. And we inhale. We receive that forgiveness. Isn't that an awesome thing that God gives us? Forgiveness. We receive that forgiveness and we are refilled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, fourth, so we're surrendering, we're asking, we're obeying. And finally, we, we sort of overarching all of this, we have faith. We trust in God that He will fill us with His Spirit. That God will take control of our lives. That God will use us for His purposes. So over the past two weeks, we've learned that it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to accomplish God's purposes. The Holy Spirit empowers us to engage our world with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And for us to receive His power, we need to, in its full For us to receive that power, to be used by God, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to surrender control of our lives. We need to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and obey the Spirit. It's when we're filled with the Spirit that we can effectively engage our world. So now that we've been filled, everybody filled up? Spirit of the living God fall afresh on us. Or at least we know what it means to be filled. We're going to look specifically at what the Holy Spirit does in and through our lives. So we've talked about He fills us, He gives us power. Those are all sort of, what does that mean? What does He do? And so we're going to talk today about what He actually does in our lives. As I began to prepare for this week's message which I thought would be one week, it became clear to me that I couldn't do justice to this topic in one week. This seems to be a pattern with me, if you haven't noticed. Really? Strange. So I'm not going to say how many weeks. I'm done making predictions. I have not the gift of prophecy. Beginning today and until we finish, I want to look at the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. We aren't going to look at everything the Spirit does. For example, the Spirit worked in creation as the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the deep. The Spirit was part of creation. We're not going to look at that. We're not going to look at His work. We'll mention it, but we're not going to look at His work in inspiring Scripture. 
It talks about the all scriptures inspired spirit. We're not going to look at that. What we're going to focus on is what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the unbeliever too, what he does in the life of the unbeliever, but but through mainly what the Spirit does in the life of the believer. Specifically, what does the Spirit do that empowers us as believers to engage our world? To share the love of God with the world, to share the gospel, the message of that Jesus Christ has come, that Jesus Christ has died for the your sins, that God loved you enough to send His only begotten Son. What does the Spirit do in us that empowers us to carry forth that message? Now before we get to some specific things, and so you'll see, I'm going to look at, uh, this is sort of going to be the pattern, I'm going to look at the, the work the Spirit does, and then I'm going to relate it to how that helps us engage our world. But before I go to specifics. I want to look at an overarching thing about the Spirit. The nature of the Spirit in our lives. What I mean by that is is really the general, the overall, the big picture of what the Spirit is doing. His overall overall purpose in our lives. So we talked a couple weeks ago ago about the Spirit's purpose is to glorify Christ, to glorify God. And He does that in and through our lives. Now how does He do that? What's the overall purpose? thing that he's doing when he's doing that. The Spirit is our helper. He's our helper. Jesus said in John 14, verse 16 and into 17, and I will ask the Father, Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's actually comforting his disciples over the fact that he's he's leaving, he's going to ascend into heaven. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Jesus promised his disciples to ask the Father, to go before the Father, special request for you, to send another helper. That's the Holy Spirit. The ESV uses the term help for, help for, help, help me say helper, helper. Other versions uh, you'll read, he's, he t- he's the comforter, the counselor. Those are other, other words. I, I, like, I like the ESV. I like this word helper the best. It's the English translation of the Greek word parakletos or paraclete. Not parakeet. Let's not get confused. Paraclete. It literally means one called alongside to help. One called alongside to help. It has connotations of comforting and counseling and exhorting and encouraging and and advocating for. This is the nature of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Father has given given us something wonderful, something amazing. The person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, His own Spirit that comes and and dwells within us. And the Spirit has a role to fill in our lives. He comes alongside to help us. Comes alongside to help us live the Christian life. To live the Christian life. We have no hope, no possible hope, of fulfilling God's purposes for our life 
without His Spirit. We could never, ever truly engage our world without the Helper, the Holy Spirit. But praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't need to worry because God's given us the Spirit. The Spirit indwells every believer. If we surrender control of our lives, then we're filled with the Spirit. It's when we surrender control that the full effect of the Spirit's help comes into our lives, comes through. So now as we go through the works of the Spirit in our lives, keep in mind that the Spirit's purpose for us is to help, to be that helper, to help us be the people God's called us to be, to help us do the things that God has called us to do, to help us engage our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that they can be reconciled with God through Christ, to help us fulfill our ultimate purpose of of bringing glory to God. He works in our lives. He changes us. He transforms us. Now, how does He do that? That's what we want to look at over the next I don't know how many weeks. But today, we begin with what I believe is the first thing the Spirit does to help us. And it's an amazing thing. It's an awesome thing. And sometimes we think of it negatively, but I want to turn that around. I want us to to realize just how awesome this is, that the Spirit convicts. The Spirit convicts. In John chapter 16, again, Jesus is This is from 14 to 16 in in John. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He's going to leave. And they are upset. They are troubled. Remember, he begins by saying, let not your heart be troubled. And he goes on. Jesus must leave. And in John 16, 7, he says, nevertheless, I have to leave, but nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, we've talked about the Helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He will convict the world. Jesus says that when he goes away, he will send one who will come alongside and help. And the first thing this Helper, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, will do is convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This first work, and I believe it is the first work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is a little different from from others we're going to look at because the Spirit does this not only to believers, but to the entire world. This is the Spirit's work in the world. The Spirit convicts the world, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you will experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That word convict, it means to to bring to light, to show forth. It's It's a legal term, meaning to demonstrate with evidence, to prove. The Holy Spirit will convict the world in the same way, in a, in a similar way that a judge or a prosecuting attorney presents evidence to bring about a conviction in court. Your Honor, before you, you see a, a sinful man. The evidence is clear. See the people he's damaged. See the selfishness he's displayed. See the pride that he's demonstrated. The Spirit will present evidence. Who's he presenting the evidence to? 
Not to God, not to others, to your own heart. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will use the Word of God that He's inspired to convict hearts and minds. The Spirit brings us to a place of conviction about our sin, our righteousness, or or lack of righteousness, and, and the judgment to come. And it's when this conviction of the Holy Spirit comes that we have a decision to make. For the unbeliever, the decision is always whether to believe, to trust in Jesus Christ or not. Whether to give their lives to the one who who paid the price for their sin. The Holy Spirit's purpose is convincing the unbeliever. The Holy Spirit's purpose in convicting the unbeliever is to convince them of their need for a Savior. First and foremost. My sin. As you face your sin and you realize there's nothing you can do about it then the the gospel comes and you realize, oh, God has done something for me. I remember when the the preacher spoke these words to me from Luke 11.23. Maybe they, they wouldn't have convicted you, they convicted me. Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. My heart was convicted. I knew I wasn't living for him. In fact, I was living for me. I was living for what I wanted, for my purposes. But I didn't know that meant I was against Jesus. I didn't want to be against Jesus. So that day, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon me, I gave my life to the Lord. I said, okay, I'll be for you. I'll be with you. And I'm sure each person here, each person here who's given their life to Christ has a similar story. How the Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin, how the conviction led to our understanding that we we need a Savior. And once you believe, the Holy Spirit does not stop His work of convicting. Once He's done His work in you and you've given your life to Christ, that work of convicting continues on. We need to thank God for that. In fact, when, when we come to Christ, when we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, the conviction He brings is even stronger. When the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart, when He speaks through the Word of God, when we know we've failed, we've fallen, we've sinned, when the conviction comes, we too, like the unbeliever, have a a choice to make. What are we going to do with this conviction? When He makes it clear, I wasn't right, that thing you did was wrong. You sin before God and and men. When that that comes, what do we do with it? Will we suppress the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Will we argue against it? Will we make excuses for our sin? Will we say things like, "Ah, I I know that wasn't quite right, but I'm much better than him or her. They do much worse than me. My sin isn't that bad. God will forgive me, even if I continue to fill in the blank. Will we suppress the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Or will we embrace that conviction? Will we thank God for His wonderful blessing? This wonderful blessing, this conviction that can lead us away. That's how we're led away from sin. 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Will we acknowledge our sin and seek a solution in Jesus Christ? Repenting, and as Chad has said several times this morning, running quickly to Him to experience the forgiveness He provides. That's our choice. That's a gift that God gives us in convicting us of our sin. That conviction is a a common experience. should be a very common experience among believers because sin is a very common experience. And I thank God that He doesn't leave us in our sin. I thank God for this conviction that comes from the Spirit. Just this past week, I experienced this conviction. I experience it all the time, but I'm I'm just going to give you one example because that's enough. It was in our men's Bible study. We were watching a video. One of the speakers on the video was talk, talking about the, just the, the, the activity, the spiritual activity of, of praying with, with your wife. He quoted Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Then he said something like this. I don't remember exactly. But I'm paraphrasing. Men... If you truly love your wives and want them to grow in their relationship with God, shouldn't we be praying with and for them? My heart began to beat as I realized I I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that on any kind of regular basis. I, I prayed with my wife. But it was only when she asked. It was only when things came up. It was only when... Things weren't going right. The Spirit was speaking to my heart, convicting me of my sin. My sin of not loving, not praying for my wife. So since then, I've repented. I've asked for forgiveness from God and and from Christina, and I've begun to pray with her on a regular basis. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is a blessing. It's a blessing that God brings into our life that brings this, this needed change. When we need to change and, 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 we, and we begin to realize that, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. Now, what does this mean when it comes to engaging our world? There are three things I'd just like to point out relating this conviction to our engaging the world. First, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our need to engage the world. Right? Do you, ex- do you experience that in your workplace? In your office, on the street, oh, I, I should be telling people about Jesus. I should, be, I should be speaking out. I mean, that person really needs the Lord. It's, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Without the conviction of the Spirit, we would ignore the word that commands us to go make disciples of all nations, that commands us to care for the poor and the needy, that commands us to be Christ's representatives in our world. But with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, these truths are kept alive in our hearts and our minds. We can act upon them. So it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our need to engage our world. Second, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to engage our world. And as we discussed last week, when we sin, we're quenching the Holy Spirit. We extinguish His influence, His control in our lives But you know what? God is so graceful, so gracious. We extinguish the Spirit in our life. We quench the Spirit. But God leaves that conviction, doesn't He? 
leaves that conviction. We've quenched the spirit. We have no power to engage the world. But there's that conviction still there. With no conviction, we would remain in an unfilled, unpowered state of sin. But through conviction, we can repent. We can reestablish relationship with God. We can return to Him. Practice spiritual breathing and be refilled with the Spirit. Re-empowered, re-energized to engage our world. Because God convicts of sin. And the third thing we need to remember is that the Holy Spirit is the one bringing conviction to the world around us. It's not just us He's convicting. Sometimes we think it is. He's convicting the world. Now some in the world have have continually over and over suppressed that conviction. It's not getting through anymore. Their hearts are hard. But for the most part, I believe, because of the Holy Spirit's conviction, people know that they are sinful. People know that they do wrong. And even though they're often unwilling to admit it, they know they need something. So as we reach out, as we seek to engage our world, know that that we don't go alone. That the Holy Spirit goes with us and He's gone before us. He's convicting. He's preparing the hearts of people for the Gospel. The Holy Spirit convicts. He prepares hearts for the good news that Jesus Christ can provide forgiveness for your sins. As the world experiences conviction for sin, from sin, from the Holy Spirit, we then come along and and provide the good news that, that God has made a way. That you can be reconciled with God. They understand that the relationship with God has been broken and and we come with the message of reconciliation. Jesus Christ can make you righteous. Jesus Christ can save you from the coming coming judgment. Thank God for the conviction the Spirit works in the hearts of people. So first, the Spirit convicts us that we might engage our world. I believe, as I said, that conviction is the Spirit's first way, the first way the Spirit works to help us, both, both convicting us and convicting the world. It's a, it's a help for us to be transformed, and it's a help for us to engage our world. But now as we come to some other works of the Spirit, I don't think that order is necessarily so important. In reality, the Spirit is a great multitasker. You know, we say we can multitask... Uh, Most of us can't. We try and fail, but the Spirit, He can multitask. He's doing many of these things in and through our lives all at the same time. But for the sermon's sake, second, the second way the Spirit helps is the Spirit guides. The Spirit guides. When the Spirit of truth comes, Jesus says, He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Notice that the Holy Spirit is called the the Spirit of truth. The Spirit's nature is, is one of truth. There's no falsehood, no lies in the Spirit of God. He cares for and is concerned for the truth. And remember, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit will guide you into the truth. The Spirit will guide you into all things, all things Jesus. Now, I believe this guidance that the Spirit provides 
has a, has a special application to the apostles who Jesus is speaking to. The apostles who would be charged with establishing the church. The apostles who would be charged in, in writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing the New Testament. We see that, that specifically in Acts chapter 15. As the early church meets to discuss the, the problem of the Gentiles. If you remember, Gentiles are being saved and what does that mean? What do we do? It's mostly a Jewish church and now Gentiles are being saved. How do we deal with that? What are we going to do? Acts 15.28 we read, For it, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And he goes on with a few requirements. But it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. It's clear that the apostles received guidance from the Holy Spirit in establishing the early church. But we need to understand, even though I believe this was a special guidance for these apostles, the Spirit's guidance, his leadership did not end with the apostles. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. It's the work of the Spirit to lead, to guide. It's our work as sons of God to surrender to his leadership. The Spirit will lead you into the truth. How will he do that? He'll do it through convicting our hearts. We talked about that. He'll do it through his church. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we can come alongside one another. We can use the, and I'm going to precursor, the gifts of the Spirit. More on that in, in a couple weeks or maybe next week. I don't know. We can use our gifts of discernment and leadership and exhortation in the lives of one another. We can use the gifts the Spirit gives to guide and, and counsel one another. It's one way the Spirit guides. But most importantly, the Spirit will guide through His inspired Word. As we read and meditate and study and memorize God's Word, the Spirit will guide us in how we're to apply it to our lives. He inspired the Word of God and He guides us by, by another, another term, illuminating, shedding light on the Word of God as we, as we study it. He gives us insight into what the Word means and how it applies to our lives. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll guide you into all things Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth of the matter is this. There are other truths, but I'm going to focus on this one here. That's the topic of our study. The truth of the matter is, Scripture says, God has called us to be ambassadors, to be representatives in this world. And as we've seen, the Holy Spirit empowers us for witness, to be His witnesses. And the Spirit will also guide us as we seek to witness in our world. We see a great example of this in the book of Acts. When Philip was, was sent to witness to the Ethiopian eunuch, we read, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. The Spirit guided Philip to witness to this Ethiopian. And He continues to guide, to lead us to be witnesses. In fact, I would say this. If you do not, if you're not being led into engaging your world with the truth of who Jesus Christ is, then 
I would say you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Maybe be led by some other spirit. But if you're not being led to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people in your world, then you're not being led by the same Holy Spirit that's spoken of in the Scripture. The Holy Spirit will stir up in your heart. He'll guide you to step out in faith. He'll, he'll encourage you to tell people who Jesus is, to tell people what Jesus has done in your life. Give your testimony to share the gospel. There's someone in my life who I've, who I've witnessed to in, in small ways. I've said little things. But I've never sat them down and explained the gospel. And this week as I, as I was preparing this sermon, which this happens a lot to me, the Spirit began to convict, began to speak to my heart to convict and guide me and even to give me ideas about how I could share with this person. Now for me, it's just a matter of of following. Spirit's leading, will I follow? Will I follow the Spirit's guidance and step out in faith? The same is true for us. We know he's, He's leading us. He's leading us. There's people that are coming to our minds now. I'm sure the Spirit is bringing people in your life who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's guiding you. To reach out to them. So second, the Spirit guides us to engage our world. Third, the Spirit sanctifies. The Spirit sanctifies. Second Thessalonians 2.13, Paul writes, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. That applies to all of us as believers. God chose us. To be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. It's interesting. You notice you should do it. We should do a study on uh, most, most, a lot of times the Spirit and the truth. They, sh- they show up together. We're sanctified by the Spirit. This word sanctification means to set apart, to purify, to make holy. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to sanctify, to transform, to change us into the people God has called us to be. This is a process that takes place throughout your life. It's not a one-time thing. It happens throughout our lives. We refer to it in, in different ways by growing in Christ. Are you growing in Christ? Are you maturing in the faith? Are you coming, becoming more like Jesus? And it's the Spirit that's accomplishing this process of sanctification in our lives. And again, notice these spirits coupled with belief in the truth. We're sanctified by God's Spirit and belief in God's truth. The Spirit of God uses the truth of God, God's Word, to sanctify our lives. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God, He illuminates it, and He works it into our hearts and minds, convicting us of sin, guiding us into the truth, and helping us to grow in righteousness. And again, this takes place when we surrender our lives to the Spirit. As we're filled with the Spirit, the sanctification takes place. Paul makes that clear in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We've looked at this, and we'll look at it again. It's an amazing verse, set of verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, to surrender your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God 
which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This, uh, this not conforming to the world, this transformation by the renewal of your mind, this is the sanctification process that the Holy Spirit is accomplishing in lives that present their bodies, and by bo- your whole self, present yourself as living sacrifices. This is what the Spirit does in our lives as He sanctifies. And when we do that, when we present our bodies, when we're involved in this process of being sanctified, being transformed, being renewed and changed by the Holy Spirit, we will naturally engage our world. It's those who are sanctified by the Spirit that are empowered by the Spirit as representatives of Christ in the world. As we're sanctified, we become different from the world around us. That's what the world notices. That's what the world sees. That's when the world asks questions. That's what Peter had in mind when he wrote, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. How do do we sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts? How do we set Christ apart in our lives? By living as Christ said, by obeying His commands, by living this holy, sanctified life that He's called us to. And, we li- and when we live this holy, sanctified life, the hope we have in Jesus Christ becomes clear to the world around us. We make different decisions than the world. We live differently than the world. Our lives will reflect the conviction. See, this is what happens. The world is being convicted by the, the, the Holy Spirit, Right? That's the first thing. The world is being convicted. They're experiencing conviction for their sin. And then they see people who are living, living out those convictions. They're different. I'm being convicted for this sin, but that person is overcoming that sin. Our lives reflect the conviction that the Spirit is bringing to the world. Example person in your office, your neighborhood, your family is trapped in sin. Maybe they're, maybe they're having an, an, an affair. They're being unfaithful to their spouse. He or she is experiencing, for sure, experiencing, unless it's been so long that they've suppressed it over and over and over again, they're experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, Get that. It's through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, not because you're special, but because of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, you're faithful and loving to your spouse. Your sanctified life gives hope to this person. Hope that they can be faithful and loving to their spouse. And so they ask you, how do you do do that? How How do you overcome? How do you stay married? How do you love your wife? How do you love your husband? And you, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, because He's sanctifying you, are prepared to give a defense of your faith. Prepared to share with them the gospel, the truth. Because Christ 
Because the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. A sanctified life will naturally engage the world. The Spirit sanctifies that we might engage our world. Finally, at least for today, the Spirit intercedes. The Spirit intercedes. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know how to pray. For we, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Should be the story of our, our lives. The Spirit helping us in our weakness. On and on about how we couldn't do this, we couldn't do that. But the Spirit of God came and helped. Remember, the Spirit comes alongside to help. And one of the main ways, well, the main way He helps is in our weakness. He'll help us overcome our weakness. He'll help us grow in our weakness. He'll help us depend on God and not ourselves in our weakness. And He'll give us strength in our weakness. Ephesians 3.16, Paul wrote, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. It's the Spirit of God that gives us strength in our weakness. How does He do that? Well, one specific way that Paul says in Romans is that he intercedes for us. We're so weak, we we don't even know what to pray. We don't know what God's will is. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to ask for, but the Spirit does. And he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In our weakness, the Spirit steps in and prays for us deep and meaningful prayers. His presence overwhelms us. We have no words. The Spirit intercedes. The Spirit helps in our weakness. Now, coincidentally, or maybe not, the one area that I hear Christians proclaim the most weakness in is about this idea of engaging their world. Their ability to share their faith. They fear that they're too weak to answer tough questions. They, we, we fear that, that we're too weak to present the gospel clearly. We fear that our lives are so weak that no one will listen to what we have to say. But praise the Lord for your weakness. Praise the Lord that we do have no ability on our own to engage the world with the love of God. Praise the Lord because God says, I know you are weak not an excuse it's a it's a it's a words not coming it's a qualification it's who we are we're weak but god says i've given you someone to come alongside you someone to help you in your weakness he'll intercede for you he'll pray for you you'll be strengthened he'll pray that you will be empowered to engage your world. The Spirit convicts. The Spirit guides. The Spirit sanctifies. The Spirit intercedes that we might engage our world. Next week we'll continue looking at even more ways that the Spirit works in our lives that we might engage our world. Each one has an application for the world. God is working Have you heard someone say this? Uh, God will work, the Spirit will work in and through you. 
That's what it's all about. He's doing things in you that he might work through you. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. We'll continue looking at at, at the, the specific things that the Spirit does in our lives. I mean, we haven't got to the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. I'm saving those for last. But we don't have to wait till next week. I would encourage you to this week, to this week, Continue surrendering to the Spirit who who indwells and fills you. Continue to allow the the Spirit of the living God to fall afresh upon you. The Spirit that's called to come alongside and help you. You have the Helper. Embrace the help that the Spirit brings. Receive His conviction. Repent. Follow His guidance. Follow where He leads. Submit to His sanctification. As as He's changing, He's transforming you, submit to that transformation and rejoice that He intercedes in your weakness. Know that God through His Spirit has given you the power to engage your world with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. As we go through those doors in a minute, Chad's going to come, I'm going to pray, Chad's going to come and Lead us in a final song. But as we exit today, as we go through those doors, we are going to enter into a world. A world that's being convicted by the Spirit. A world with great needs. We need to know. We need to realize. We need to even, I don't know, verbally say to ourselves, certainly in our mind and maybe out loud, we need to, we need to know and say that, that we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, our helper, Coming alongside. We don't have to fear. We don't have to remain in our weakness. Well, we remain in our weakness, but the Spirit gives us strength to overcome. So I would just encourage you, look for opportunities this week to engage your world. Because you have the Spirit of God, the amazing Spirit of God dwelling and hopefully filling you for His purposes. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I pray for myself, I pray for each person here, each person that knows you, for each person that maybe is experiencing the conviction of of your spirit even now. Maybe names and faces are popping into their minds of people that, that you're calling them, you're guiding them and leading them to share with. Lord, I pray that we would do that. We would respond. We would submit to your leadership in our life. We would submit and be willing to engage our world, not on our own because we're weak, knowing that you're sanctifying us, you're transforming us into people, you're interceding for us, you're praying for our weakness and giving us strength that we might reach out, that we might be used as that beginning point in someone's life where they can encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, where they can be given the gift of the Holy Spirit and begin this amazing journey of Christ's name we pray. Amen.